Amen. Praise the Lord. We can hold the Lord's hand and never fear getting a virus. Amen. Open your Bible, please, to Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21. And I just want to point out one verse, then we'll pray. Numbers 21 and verse six, just follow along as I read. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and much people of Israel died. This is that famous story about the fiery serpents. Today, I want to talk with you about the coronavirus by faith. Imagine that the coronavirus by faith. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we find ourselves loving you and looking more for the coming of our savior, Jesus than at any time before in our lives. And we ask you, please, that you would this very hour, increase our faith in you, our love for you, our desire to, to follow you and to make you first and foremost of our lives day by day. Lord, I pray for those that, that may be feeling a a burden of, of terror or even panic over what's happening now in the world, over 90 countries uh, now experiencing uh, Corona virus. I pray Lord that you would please bring comfort and hope and Lord help us who are born again, who are saved, who, if we died, we know for sure that we'll open our eyes in heaven. Help us. Lord, to point the way to others in this world who are lost and seeking. So please bless now this time in Jesus name. Amen. Well, these are indeed very strange days in which the world finds itself. I think you would have to agree with that right now. The main topic of news uh, on the news stations, of course, is coronavirus or COVID-19, as they call it. On December 31st, 2019, China had alerted the World Health Organization of several cases of unusual pneumonia in Wuhan, a port city of 11 million people in uh, central Hubei province. The virus was unknown. On January 7th, 2020, the virus was identified as a member of the coronaviruses, which is actually a large family of viruses that even includes the common cold, mind you. Now, symptoms are flu-like in nature and can include headaches, fevers, sore throats, chills, coughing, and perhaps a little difficulty in breathing. Dr. Michael Gardam of Humber River Hospital in Toronto says the initial symptoms between COVID-19 and an ordinary flu are absolutely identical. You can't tell the difference. Uh, But COVID-19 has the ability to cause many more Uh, serious symptoms such as great difficulty in breathing. Dr. Gardam says that if you don't think you have COVID-19, then do not go to the hospital. Probably good advice when you think about it. hmm? But if you think you might have it, then you're best to get yourself checked out. However, the likelihood, the likelihood of contracting COVID-19 in, in this country is still very slim the greater majority of those who do get it only experience mild symptoms until it goes away. Canadian health officials stress that COVID-19, the risk of COVID-19 
remains low, even as the case load rises. Right now, we have about 54 uh, COVID-19 cases in Canada, but that also includes three that are aboard a cruise ship parked outside of California. This past Wednesday in our Bible College Chapel, I spoke on the Corona chaos and I gave a few details about the, the virus. I'd like to share a couple of them with you. Coronavirus, um, coronaviruses are an entire group of viruses uh, named for the spiked crowns or the Corona on them, like a ball with these spikes on them, look a little bit like crowns. They were first discovered back in the 1960s. That's when the coronaviruses were first discovered. The one we talk about today is what researchers call COVID-19. They put the 19 on it because it was discovered in 2019. Now the following description is taken from Wikipedia. The infection is spread from one person to another via respiratory droplets produced from the airways, often during coughing or sneezing. Time uh, from exposure to the onset of symptoms is generally between two and 14 days with an average of five days. Here are some recent statistics. As of today, at least when I last checked this morning, 106,000 cases of Corona worldwide and 3,300 people have died. Italy has quarantined a third of its population in Northern Italy. 16 million people have been quarantined. Here in Canada, as I mentioned, we have 54 cases, 21 of them here in British Columbia. Now it's very important that we take precautionary measures, but we do not overreact. That is very important. And for this, I'd like you to look at another verse of scripture. You can keep your finger there in numbers 21, but turn to the right to the book of Proverbs and go to Proverbs chapter 21. Here's another 21. Proverbs 21. Now, I'd like you to read with me one verse of scripture, and it's the last verse. Verse 31, 2131 of Proverbs. You got that? Your Bible open there? All right, let's read it out loud together, beloved, all together. The horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. Now, that tells us that there is a human part and a divine part. We have a part to play. God has a part to play. For most things in life, human labor is required. Preparations or mop up or whatever you have. But safety is of the Lord. The ultimate victory and the ultimate result is going to be of God. So this is important that we keep that in mind. We have no final say, no final control over the end result. God has that. He asks us to do our part. We do our part. He'll do his part. If we do not prepare the horse against the day of battle, we may well be overrun. We may well take a, a devastating hit, but we do our part. We prepare the horse. God does his part and he gives safety. Does that make sense? So it's important that we, we take precautionary measures, but that we do not overreact Dr. James Hamblin, Hamblin, pardon me, is a, staff writer with an online magazine called the Atlantic. And he made the following recommendations 
And I think you've probably heard most of these before. Number one, wash your hands frequently for at least 20 seconds using soap. And they say that if you sing happy birthday to you twice, that that's enough time to do it, which got me to thinking in the hospitals. I wonder if that's what the surgeons do before surgery. If they're there singing happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you done. (laughs) I doubt it, but you can do that. They say, number two, avoid touching your face. Apparently we pick up lots of germs on our hands. And when we touch our face, they go in through the eyes, the nose, the mouth, maybe the ears too. avoid touching your face. Use an alcohol based hand sanitizer. Uh, This particular doctor claims that other hand sanitizers that use more natural kind of products do not work. He says, use an alcohol based hand sanitizer. By the way, uh, it's getting harder to find that on the shelves of the stores. I don't know if you've gone shopping, but uh, just try and find hand sanitizer. Try and find, listen to this, uh, rubbing alcohol and aloe vera gel. These are two of the ingredients that make up hand sanitizer. Try and find those. You're going to have difficulty. Try and find toilet paper. Kleenex. These are bottled water. These are things that people are buying on mass. They're buying in huge loads. And so this afternoon, you may want to just, you know, take a trip. Uh, Costco's always restocking. So, you know, get in there, get into the grocery stores and so on. If you can't find hand sanitizer, which is not as good as washing your hands with soap and singing happy birthday too, by the way. Uh, If you can't find uh, hand sanitizer, you might be able to get the ingredients to make it. Maybe you have some in your home. Uh, Dr. Hamblin also suggests to avoid shaking hands, and he suggests the fist bump. Um, He also suggests disinfecting common surfaces, including telephones. Yeah. Now, when you're out in public places, I think it's best to follow these suggestions. And of course, there's other things as well. Coughing and sneezing. That's why God gave you a sleeve, you know, to, uh, to cover up or a tissue. And then you dispose it, something like that. Here at our church, we've implemented a series of daily steps to help sanitize the common areas of our church and our Bible college. Before you came in today, we had people going around with the uh, sterilized uh, handy wipes, uh, sterilizing the doorknobs, the backs of the pews, the surfaces that people touch. Um, we, we're practicing this. I think it's very important that we, we do what we can to prepare the horse for the, the day of battle here, but we don't want to overreact. Last night I received um, a very encouraging text from a pastor friend of mine, Pastor Rick Adams down in Portland. Um, and I forwarded it on to the, uh, the soul winners uh, on the, on the list. Now in his, um, in his little message there, uh, he, he, he talked about the posters of, of Britain in world war two. And right at the end of world war two, apparently Britain made up a bunch of posters that said, be calm and carry on but they never got to use them because all of a sudden the war was over. It was 1945 and they made these up near the end. They never got to use them. So they were stored away and they were found 
something like 15 years ago in a dusty old uh, shop or something like that. And it's become now a, a, a famous sort of catchword, be calm. And then they fill in the blank afterwards. But apparently that's where it originated. Be calm and carry on. So we would say be calm and carry on. But the question is, carry on what? We're not in the war. Carry on doing what? Be calm and carry on doing what? And the answer is living for Jesus. That's the answer. Carry on living for Jesus. If you're saved and you're not living for Jesus, then get with the program and live for Jesus. Live your life right. You've only got the one life. It's going to be over before you know it. Jesus will come or the kindly hand of death at some point is going to usher you into his presence. If you're born again, if you're saved, now is the time to get busy, to get on the bandwagon and to be living for Jesus. Be calm and carry on living for Jesus. And we do it by faith. That's how Christians are supposed to live. Not by sight, not by facts or feelings. It's by faith. We're told over and over in the scriptures that we are to do this by faith and that by faith and the just shall live by faith. And you and me, we need to please Jesus and live for Jesus. And the way we do that is by faith. Because without faith, listen, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Nothing pleases God like faith. That's so, so important. This is March. It's the month of faith. We're talking about faith. We want God to increase our faith so that God will do great things in our families and in our church. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he was on earth, did many wonderful miracles all over the Holy Land, except in his own hometown. Why? What did Jesus have against his own hometown? Nothing. It's the people of the town. The Bible makes it clear that he couldn't do any great miracles there because of their unbelief. Because they said, why? Who is this? This is Jesus. We know him. He grew up here. We know his mother and his brothers and his sisters. We know his father. What kind of a dog and pony show has he got going here? And because of their disbelief, he couldn't do anything really great there. When has God done something really great in your life? If he hasn't, could it possibly be because of unbelief? Need we go to God today and say, search me, O God, and see if there's unbelief? I knew of a revival that was breaking out in a church many years ago. The church down in the States. It wasn't a big church, but in that church, there was a young man who had strayed away from the Lord. He was really the backslider. And the church was very burdened for this young man because they knew him. He grew up in the church. And as sometimes happens, children who grow up in the church, maybe, maybe they haven't been watched over enough. I don't know. But they get to a certain age and out they go off into the world. This young man went like the uh, young prodigal that Jesus spoke of. And he went off into the world and lived his life for the world, the flesh and the devil. And it broke, it broke his mother's heart and it broke the hearts of the people who knew him. And so they were having a revival and uh, down at the altar were several of the church folks, including the pastor himself. Praying, Lord, please do miracles. Lord, revive people. Lord, show yourself strong. And the back door opened. 
And that young man walked into church and there were a few gasps and someone said, why it's, and they called out his name. The, this is the pastor. Now the first thing the pastor did was he said, no, in total disbelief that God could ever work in that young man's heart. Isn't that a shame? And yet how many of us are guilty of the same thing? You think God could give us that building on one Oh four? No way. Absolutely. We cross it right off the list. You know, if you don't believe God is going to do something, you're right. He's not. But if you believe that God is a God of miracles and can supply and do the impossible, he can and will. It's all according to your faith, be it unto you. And that's a lesson I think for all of us here. And we need to be calm in the light of COVID-19. <laughs> Maybe there'll be a COVID 20. We need to be calm and we need to carry on living for Jesus. Cause you know, what's going to happen one day. There's going to be no COVID 19. It too shall come to pass. And if you've gone and, and hid yourself under a rock or something, you're going to sheepishly come out and everyone is going to say, why did you do that? So you don't want to, run when it's not time to run. Let's make our preparations to battle these unseen viruses, but let's continue to live by faith because God normally brings us out back in the 1300s. They faced the bubonic plague also known as black death. And it killed apparently one third of the population of Europe, but it came to pass back in 1918. The world experienced the influenza pandemic, also known as the Spanish flu. It infected 500 million people back then, and up to 50 million people died. But it came to pass. Smallpox was one of the deadliest diseases known to man, claiming over 300 million victims but it was eradicated by 1980, largely due to the use of vaccines. And so it too came to pass. And I believe COVID-19 will also come to pass. Now in our Bible passage here today, and I'd like you to look at it again, please go back to numbers and chapter 21. The children of Israel had been in the wilderness for some time now. Aaron, the high priest had died. And they journeyed in verse four from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. That's near the south portion there of the promised land. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way they got upset and things weren't going so good. Things were tough. The going got tough. And the people spake against God and against Moses. And they murmured, wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? See, the people weren't just mad at Moses. They were also mad at God. And people do get mad at God. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hand, but I know 
that Christians get mad at God at some point in their life. And they think that God has forgotten them or God has done them dirty. And they get mad at God. Why it's your fault that I'm look at me in the mirror. Lord. Look at me, God, look at me. What is that? And some Christian people say that they get mad at God here. The Israelites got mad at Moses and God. Did you bring us out here to kill us? Is that it? Huh? There's no bread. There's no water. And see that our soul loatheth this light bread. That's kind of hard. Those English words put together. Loatheth this light bread. It's, it's kind of hard to roll off the tongue there, isn't it? They were looking at the manna that God supplied for them daily. Faithfully every day God gave them manna. They got sick of it. And so the Lord in his wisdom sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and much people of Israel died. They got sick and died. Therefore the people came to Moses and they confessed their sin. They said, we have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole this is that story of the, the brass serpent that he made and put it up on the pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten and gets sick, of course, when he looketh upon it, that's the brass serpent on the pole. When he looketh upon it shall live. He shall live. There's a hymn in our hymn books. Look and live my brother live. Look to Jesus now and live. That required faith on the part of the Israelite. Faith on the part of the Israelite. All they had to do was look and live. That was God's remedy for the problem of the fiery serpents. I believe that many of them did. Now, James chapter five, verse 15 tells us the prayer of faith shall save the sick. We are, we are encouraged to care for one another and pray for one another. And if someone's sick, we need to pray for them. So if you know of people that have colds or flus or COVID-19, you're to pray for them, that God would heal them and make them better. I, I want to tell you a story. And I want you to listen very carefully. This story was written I don't know how many years ago, maybe 15 years ago, 20 years ago. I'm not sure. By an unknown Christian author in America. He wrote this as a fictional story to illustrate something. But I'm telling you, it's almost prophetic. This story has got to be at least 15 years old. Listen, as I read the story. The day is over. You're driving home. You tune in your radio. You hear a little blurb about a little village in India where a few people have died suddenly, strangely, of a flu that has never been seen before. It's not influenza, but three or four fellows are dead. And it is kind of interesting. They're sending some doctors over there to investigate it. You don't think too much about it. But on Sunday, coming home from church, you hear another radio announcement about it. Only they say it's not three people. It's 30,000 people in the back hills of this particular area of India. 
and it's on TV that night. CNN runs a little blurb. People are heading there from the disease center in Atlanta because this disease strain has never been seen before. By Monday morning, when you get up, it's the lead story for it's not just India, but now it's Pakistan and Afghanistan and Iran. And before you know it, you're hearing this story everywhere and they've, they, they've coined it now as the mystery flu. The president has made some comment that he and everyone are praying and hoping that all will go well over there. But everyone is wondering, how are we going to contain it? That's when the president of France makes an announcement that shocks all of Europe. He is closing their borders. No flights from India, Pakistan, or any of the countries where this thing has been seen. That night, you're watching a little bit of CNN before you go to bed and your jaw hits your chest when a weeping French woman says, there's a man lying in a hospital in Paris dying of the mystery flu. It's come to Europe. Panic strikes. As best as they can tell, once you get it, you have it for about a week. You don't even know it. Then you have four days of unbelievable symptoms. Then you die. Britain closes its borders, but it's too late. Southampton, Liverpool, Northampton. And it's Tuesday morning when the president of the United States makes the following announcement. Due to a national security risk, all flights to and from Europe and Asia have been canceled. If your loved ones are overseas, I'm sorry, they cannot come back until we find a cure for this thing. Within four days, the nation has been plunged into an unbelievable fear. People are selling little masks for your face. This story was written like 15 years ago. That's why I'm saying it's almost prophetic. People are talking about what if it comes to this country and preachers are saying it's the scourge of God. It's Wednesday night and you're at church prayer meeting. You are at church prayer meeting on Wednesday night, aren't you? <clears throat> well, when somebody runs in from the parking lot and says, quick, turn on the radio, turn on the radio. And there the whole church is listening to a little radio, maybe up to the microphone here. And the announcement is made. Two women are lying in a New York hospital dying from the mystery flu. Within hours, it seems this thing just sweeps across the country People are working around the clock now trying to find an antidote. Nothing is working. California, Oregon, Arizona, Florida, Massachusetts. It's as though it's just sweeping in from the borders. And then all of a sudden the news comes out. The code has been broken. A cure can be found. A vaccine can be made. It's going to take the blood of somebody who has never been infected. And so sure enough, all through the nation, through all the channels, emergency broadcasting and so on, everyone is asked to do this one simple thing. Go to your downtown hospital and have your blood type taken. That's all we ask of you. When you hear the sirens go off in your neighborhood, please make your way quickly, quietly and safely to the hospitals. And sure enough, when you and your family get down there on Friday night, there's a long line and they've got nurses and they've got doctors coming out and pricking fingers and taking blood and putting labels on it. 
your wife and your kids are out there. They take your blood type and they say to you, wait here in the parking lot. And if we call your name, you can be dismissed and go home. And so you stand around scared with your neighbors, wondering what in the world is going on. And that's the end of the world. It seems suddenly a young man comes running out of the hospital screaming. He's yelling a name, waving a clipboard. What he's yelling it again. What's he saying? And your son tugs on your jacket and says, daddy, that's me. That's my name. And before you know it, they've come and they've grabbed up your boy. Wait a minute, hold it. And they say, it's okay. It's okay. His blood is clean. His blood is pure. We just want to make sure he doesn't have the disease. We think he's got the right type. And five very tense minutes later, out come the doctors and the nurses and they're crying and hugging one another. And some are even laughing. It's the first time you've seen anybody laugh in a week. And an older doctor walks up to you and he says, thank you, sir. Your son's blood type is perfect. It's clean. It's pure. And we can make the vaccine. As the word begins to spread all across the parking lot, full of people, Some people are screaming. Others are praying and laughing and crying. But then this gray haired doctor pulls you and your wife to one side and says, may may we see you for a moment, please. We didn't realize that the donor would be a little boy. And so we need you to sign this consent form. And you begin, you take the clipboard and the pen and you begin to sign your name when you notice that the number of pints or liters of blood required, that line is left blank. And you, you hesitantly ask the doctor, uh, how, how, how many, how many pints of, of blood? And that's when the old doctor's smile fades away. And he said, I am so sorry. We had no idea. It would be a little child. We weren't prepared. We need it all. But, 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 but is all you can say. You don't understand, says the doctor. We're talking about the world here. People are dying by the minute. Sign, please sign. We, we need all of the blood. We need it all. But can't you give them a, some sort of transfusion? You ask. Well, if we had clean blood to replace it with, we would. But we don't. Now, can you please sign? Would you please sign? And so in a numb sort of a silence, you sign this form. And then they say to you, would you like to have a moment with him before we begin? Would you be able to walk back? If this had happened to you, would you be able to walk back? to the room where your boy sits on the table saying, daddy, mommy, what's, what's going on? What's happening? Can you take your little boy's hand and say, son, your mommy and I love you. And we would never let anything harmful or bad happen to you. Do you understand that? And then the old doctor comes back in and says, I'm sorry, but we've got to get started. People all over the world are dying. Would you be able to leave your boy there 
Could you walk out while your son is saying, dad, mom, dad, why have you forsaken me? And then next week, when they have a ceremony to honor your son, some people sleep through it. Some folks bow their head in prayer, but only so that they can look at their text messages. Some people don't even come because it's a sunny day and they want to go by the lake. Would that make you want to jump up and say, Hey, don't you care? Don't you know my son died for you? And could this be what God is thinking some days? Don't you care? My son died for you. Maybe you're here wondering, what does all this mean? Well, 1400 years after Moses and that brass serpent, Jesus, God's son came to earth. And I want you to see what he said. If you turn to the New Testament book of John, the gospel of John and chapter three, would you turn there with me now, please? Our savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh came to earth. And look what he said in chapter three of the gospel of John, verse number 14. Look at it. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life for God. So loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That means to die and go to hell, but have everlasting life. That means heaven. Look and live my brother live. Salvation from hell and for heaven is a free gift offered by God to whosoever will any man, any woman, any young person from anywhere in the world, doesn't matter their background or what they've done. God patiently offers salvation full and free. Maybe you're here today and you've never been born again. Maybe you didn't even know you needed to be. My friend, you do because of the sin in your life. You say, but wait, I've never murdered anyone. <laughs> There's lots of people in hell that have never murdered a, a single soul. Sin is far more than murder. Bad thoughts, bad words, disobedience to God, broken promises. That's just the beginning. That's just the tip of the iceberg. All it took was one sin of disobedience to get Adam and Eve booted out of the garden. One sin of disobedience. Have you ever disobeyed in your life? Hmm. We're doomed to an eternal hell. That's when God said, I will send my son and he will shed his blood on the cross. 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the simple message of salvation. That's the good news, folks. For me in my life, when I finally understood it as a a young teenager, I gladly repented of my sins and received Jesus as my Savior. And he's never left me. It's been 45 years this April the 6th. 45 years he's never left me nor forsaken me. That's pretty good. That's a good track record. God never fails. If you're here today and you've never repented of your sin, you've never admitted to God you're a sinner on your way to hell, you've never asked God to forgive your sin, come in your heart and be your savior, maybe today you could do that. Today is the day of salvation. This is what it all means. This is what it all means. Because listen, if you're not saved, if you're not born again, you have a far bigger problem to deal with than COVID-19. That's nothing. That's a sneeze compared to eternity in hell. If you're not saved, you need a savior today. What if I am saved? You say, what, what if I am born again? Well, then what it means is the purpose of your life is to help others to come to know the savior. The purpose of your life is not to save money for retirement. The purpose of your life is not to have a big family or live in a big fine house. Although there's nothing wrong with those things. Don't get me wrong. But the overall purpose of your life as a Christian is to assist others in coming to know the savior. How long you've been saved? How many years? What have you been doing all those years to assist other people to come to know the savior? How many lost souls have you been praying for? How many, how many lost souls have you invited to church or given a gospel tract to, or explained the way of salvation? How many missionaries, gospel preaching missionaries have you supported? Oh, listen, today is the day. Get on the bandwagon by faith. Let's live our lives for our ultimate purpose to assist others to come to know Jesus as savior. Coronavirus. Yeah. By faith. The world is running scared right now. And we who are saved can offer hope in Jesus Christ. If we'll do it. Would you stand to your feet, please? We're going to have a word of prayer. And then we're going to have a short invitation. And I'd like to invite you to come on the invitation. And if you possibly can to get on your knees, if your knees are still good enough to get on your knees and to pray And maybe your biggest need is the Lord Jesus Christ as savior. Would you ask him to save you today? Or if you are already saved, you know, you're saved. Would you dedicate your life to helping and assisting other people to get saved at work, at school, at home, through your prayers, through your tithes? Would you do that? 